What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bench Chatter, the common man's NBA podcast. I'm your host, Colin, here with my co-host, Noah, coming at you live on a beautiful Wednesday night, here to talk to you about basketball, believe it or not. Noah, does that does that work for you? Can we talk about some basketball? <laughs> uh, I guess we can talk some ball, Colin. I'm always down to talk some ball. I, I know it's kind of weird for an uh, indie-Pakistani uh, movie podcast, but we're going to talk ball, and I, I think it's good stuff. Noah, we're at a point in the season where there are some some hot news lines starting to creep up on us. Yeah, you you could say the least, Colin, especially for um a partic- a particular team that I root for. Interesting, interesting. Well, before we get into that, Noah, I need to go on a, a quick tangent with you about IU basketball, uh, Indiana basketball, because I fucking hate them. I. Uh, for those that don't know and don't follow college <laughs> basketball or Indiana closely, Indiana had a 20-point halftime lead at Wisconsin today. Indiana basketball has not won at Wisconsin since 1998, and we blew it. We scored 17 points in the second half and lost by five. Yeah. And that kind of sums Shout up out my Xavier Indiana Johnson. Basketball. Yeah, oh, my God. Dude, I and, and here's the thing, Noah. Especially with this podcast, I've just started to watch so much NBA basketball these last couple of years. Um, and really, the only time I watch college basketball is when Indiana's playing, and then uh, as the tournaments, you know, coming up. The, the quality of play is obviously a step lower, but you get mm-hmm. guys on that court that are like four steps lower. And it is so painful to watch mm-hmm. some of these guys that, to this point in their lives, have been playing basketball for a decade. I mean, they are the the most talented basketball prospects that America and the world has to offer. And the amount of dumbass decision-making that I see is absurd. There's no reason at the college level that zone defense should just break a team. <laughs> There's no reason, but it does, and it blows my goddamn mind, Noah. IU has a stretch every game, Colin, where we forget how to make play layups for, like, five-minute stretches. We'll just miss every layup in, that we get. <laughs> seriously, seriously, and uh, the the thing that, that gets me more than anything is there were multiple times tonight where Trace Jackson Davis, he's going to be an All-American player. He's fantastic. I hope that he can uh, kind of revive his career to become an NBA prospect again. His ceiling, you know, when he was a freshman, he was looking to be an early second-round pick, and now I think he's kind of fallen out of that because he has no jump shot. Against the zone defense, so many times... Race Thompson or the other big would go to the opposite low block, and I know it's his own defense, but he would pull the defenders into the paint to just clog the paint for our fantastic big man to just have an extra defender on him. And it's like, no, of course he's not going to be able to post up, make some post moves, do something nice around the rim when there's three dudes down there. And we weren't mm-hmm. shooting the ball, so the kickouts were just not effective tonight, and it was just... It was frustrating to watch. I hate that. Like, I I so much prefer watching the NBA, Colin, and I think it boils down to, uh, in the NBA, the shooting is just elite. Like, it's just better than college. In the NBA, they know how to run a pick-and-roll, con. Like, college mm-hmm. kids just actually are not developed enough to run a high-level pick-and-roll in college and actually make the right reads every time. The, the pick-and-roll is just, like, how you score in the NBA, and yeah. college has not adapted to that yet, Colin. And then it feels like, you know, the maybe the level of, of athleticism isn't that big of a gap, Colin, but the people in the NBA know how to actually utilize their athleticism so much better than kids in college. I think that's so true. And uh, The court feels so small in college, does it, it not? Really does. It feels like you can cover the entire court with a 2-3 zone. It's crazy. It does, and I, I think it boils down to that idea of knowing how to use your athleticism. Because, I mean, we see it with prospects all the time, guys that are freak athletes that just have no idea what they're doing in the NBA. I mean, like Anthony Bennett is a prime example. He goes 1-1 because he's an athletic monster, but he 
doesn't know how to play basketball. Like, he just really, he really doesn't. He doesn't know how to play team five-on-five five basketball. And you think it's an easy concept, but, it, you know, there, there's a great YouTube video that I recommend to anybody. Um, and it's the title is something to the effect of the most common play in the NBA, and it breaks down 25 different outcomes that happen out of the pick and roll. Uh, but it, it mainly talks about the most common one, which is called horn, I believe, or bullhorn, something like that. Um, it's fantastic, and it kind of highlights the complexities of the pick and roll because from a young age you're taught the pick and roll, and it's a very easy concept. But they really dive into all of the different avenues that you can go down through a very simple pick and roll. It's a great watch, but watching these college kids, those avenues just aren't there. They can maybe understand five of the routes <laughs> that it can go, but it just all of the possibilities are are just underutilized. It, it's college uh, sucks. I don't care. It's only cool around March. No cap. Yeah, then I watched the uh, the end of the Heat Bucks game. Fantastic, so good. So good. Some great basketball. And shout out to a Miami Heat team that took it to a, a pretty healthy Bucks team. Down Jimmy Butler, down Bam, caught the dub. <laughs> Ironic enough, Con, you want to know how the Heat have kept up their level of play without Bam? Um, I, I have a guess, but uh, let's hear it. They've been playing a lot of zone defense. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Um, yeah, actually, I, that's not where I, I thought you were going to go with it. Um, you know, this is good content for the Sunday episode, but I thought you were going to name drop Caleb Martin, who had an absolute <laughs> went off. of a night. Third Oof, game in I got his brother, in, Cody. Yeah, third game in a row scoring 10-plus, but had a career-high 28 points, 8 boards, 3 assists. He was lighting okay. it up from deep, too. Okay, Caleb. Okay, Caleb. Okay, he was six of eight from deep. I mean, those are numbers that you like to see. Tyler Hero played a bum game too, so yep. yeah. I mean, shout out this Heat team. I think Giannis had a very be... bum game. Yeah, he did. He did. He really did. But we'll save Cody Martin for Sunday. Noah, why we're here, why we're talking, is because within the last forty-eight hours, two separate teams have come out and said that they might be interested in a full-blown rebuild. And these are teams that, for the last decade, have been pretty prominent teams in their respective conferences, never making huge splashes, but both have made conference finals runs. Both have had, uh, I I won't say... the, the top-tier superstars, but they've had a lot of all-star level talent come through them, and neither has really ever built a team that feels like a, they could win it all. I'm talking about the Blazers and the Pacers. Noah, I, I know one of these uh, teams is a bit more sensitive to you. Where should we start? Because there's a lot to break down in I... both these teams. I said I was excited for this episode, Colin, and then you started describing that situation, and I, I'm not very excited anymore. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. I, think... <laughs> I didn't mean to, I'm to take the air out of it. I'm actually lay down and cry. I know. I know. It's okay. And, you know, I, I should apologize first to Blazers fans. Dame is a, a superstar, for sure. But uh, I don't think a lot of people would argue with me that Dame's never been in that top tier of superstars. Is that fair to say? Yeah, he's never played like a top five player in the league. Right. I think he's consistently, especially over the last five years, been a top ten player. Um, yes. But not one of those guys that can win you or take you to the final destination. So, all right, with that, let's start with the Blazers. Oh, this will allow you to lay down a bit, cry, drink a little <laughs> bit of alcohol if you need to before we get to the Pacers. Uh, Noah, with this Trailblazers team, do you think it's important to highlight how they've gotten here? Because I, I think it's kind of important in the context that we're going to go down. 
So, just like the Pacers, Colin, the Blazers have never really committed to a full-on rebuild like this. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> in the early 2000s, we saw them with the Brandon Roy teams. That team was competitive. Um, from there, they moved on to you know the LaMarcus Aldridge team with Nick Batum, Wes Matthews. Dame himself came, comes into that equation a little bit later. Mm-hmm. And then now they've just been riding this Dame and C.J. McCollum duo for a while, Colin. And um, they really should have blew this team up in 2011, Colin. Not 2011, sorry. Um, the year that they – I don't know where I got that. But the year that uh, they lost to the Pelicans in that round against Rondo and Drew Holiday, Colin, where they just absolutely clamped them. Uh, I think the team probably yeah. should have been blown up by then, but now we're here in 2021. They just fired their GM, Neil O'Shea, Colin, after some uh, workplace misconduct allegations, I think, and an investigation was happening. Um, and Neil O'Shea's really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Neil O'Shea's really crowning achievement, Colin, was that C.J. McCollum was his guy. Like, Neil O'Shea was the biggest factor into the Blazers drafting of C.J. McCollum, and he's been writing mm-hmm. that for a while. And it's why he's been hesitant to move C.J. McCollum because if he, you know, if he moves him and it doesn't work out, it's him out on the job because that was his guy. And here we are, Colin. Blazers underperforming on the year with new coach, first year Chauncey Billups. Um, the defense isn't working. The offseason acquisitions aren't working. C.J. McCollum, Colin, earlier this week, diagnosed as having a right pneumothorax, which is basically a collapsed lung. Um, this is an injury that sounds worse than it actually is, Colin, as worse as, you know, as good as having a collapsed lung can be. Yeah, and when I two first other heard guys, it, Colin. No, I, I, yes, I, I got to butt in a little bit. When I first heard it, I have CJ on my fantasy team. I thought he was done for the year. Turns out it's like so a two-week. So thing. did I. Yeah, Gerald Wallace and Terrence Ross, uh, Terrence Jones, sorry, have both had the similar injury in the past, and they both missed six and seven games. So CJ's not out for that long. Going to miss around two weeks, but this could not come at a worse time for this Blazers team, Colin. Um, Not really quietly over the last couple weeks, Colin, they've been actively shopping both Nurkic and Covington. Uh, They're looking for any reason. They're looking for any reason to change here, Colin. They're open to changing stuff, but Mm -hmm. the only way this team can majorly change, Colin, is one of Dame or CJ moving. So to highlight your point about C.J. McCollum, uh, to give a bit of backstory, I was watching a YouTube video this week, Noah, about the best player to never win each award in the NBA. So he this it was just a guy, it was a fine video, but he broke down MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man, all this. And he got to the point, and he was like, I think the best player to never make an all-star game is Cedric Maxwell. And he was a finals MVP in the early 80s for the Boston Celtics. He had a fine career. And so in my head, I was like, I feel like there's a better guy than Cedric Maxwell that's never made an all-star game. And do you know, Noah, that C.J. McCollum is the only player since the ABA-NBA merger to have six-plus 20-point-per-game seasons? and not make an all-star game. Wow. Right? <laughs> wow. That's ridiculous to me. And Maybe right now he's on his six, five or six years in a row of him scoring 20-plus, not making an all-star game. And I think he, caveat, I think he was on the brink of it last year before getting mm-hmm. injured, like, at a really untimely, uh, like, December uh, right, but like right mm-hmm. in the midst of All Star voting. But either way, this is a guy that they're paying thirty six million dollars a year and has not touched an All Star game. I know he's decent, but he lacks so much on the defensive end, which is a place where Dame has never been sharp. Dame is truly in like the bottom quartile of NBA defenders. And he does a lot of the similar stuff that Dame does. I know that offensively they can have some absolutely heater nights, but I think that this duo to me was always destined to have an absolute ceiling of making the Western Conference Finals. Like, that was it. I think that's the best you can expect of this team, of this Mm -hmm. core. Yeah, and like you said, Colin, they're good enough. They're good enough of a duo to, you know, win enough games in the regular season, be that top five, top six ish seed in the West, 
And But when time comes to it and you're in the playoffs and you're in a series where you're playing a team multiple nights in a row, they're just going to get picked on on defense. It's not worth it on the defense having both Dame and CJ out there. Um, it's tough, Con, because... Dane wants to be in Portland, gone. He constantly defends Portland, saying he wants to play there for life. And that might not be the best decision for the Sixers, or for the Trailblazers, Con, mm-hmm. but they can't come out and be the team that trades Dane. You just can't be that team, especially in the market that Portland's in. They're not in one of the bigger markets of the NBA. And they're just going to be stuck in this wheel of mediocrity, Con. I, I really do think if they never trade Dame because the only way they trade Dame is if Dame straight up comes out and says he wants to leave Portland con. Right. So, okay, I think that's an important place to pick up. So there was a storyline over the summer that Dame may have requested a trade, right? And it was kind of blurry with the details because he kind of came out and said, like, I'd like to be a blazer for life, but if they don't put me in the right situation, I have to evaluate what my career is going to look like. So he didn't outwardly say I would like a trade, but he also insinuated if things didn't change, this might not be the place for him. And Noah, I truly think the Blazers had the worst offseason in the NBA after he said that. Because <laughs> what they did is they went out and traded a first-round pick for Larry Nance Jr., <laughs> That was your big offseason move when you have this top 10 player in the league, a guy who's a human highlight reel, a guy that attracts other superstar talent. We've seen him on Twitter. We've seen guys say, yes, I would like to play with Dame. And Larry Nance is what you go out and get? If I'm Dame, that's just a big middle finger to me. When mom says you got Ben Simmons at home, but you get home and it's Larry Nance. (laughs) It's yeah. Uh, that's a great way to put it, and so I I don't know if it was a cultural thing with his GM. I, if he just really couldn't get anything done. But to me, if you're the Blazers and you look at this roster right now, why wouldn't you blow it up? Yeah, yeah. I mean. I'm I'm in the similar situation, Colin, and I feel the same way about the Pacers, but we can really only approach this argument here, Colin, from a from a purely basketball standpoint. Like you and I both recognize and realize, Colin, that if you're not actively t- building towards a championship, like what are you really doing, right? Mm-hmm. Selling tickets, like that's it. Yes, but the other side of that is the business side where. This GM is the one who has to go to the owner and tell him, "Yeah, we want to tank. We want to be. We want to trade Dame. We want to be ass for the next five years, so we can win you guys a championship." And that's just like a tough. That's a tough um, avenue to come to as a franchise after you have been making the playoffs for the last ten years, but you've been getting knocked out second round or earlier every year. And your one crowning achievement is you got to the Western Conference Finals once and and got bobbed. I mean, like, let's yeah. not have it in two ways. Like, they got smoked. Like, at a certain point, can they not – do they not realize, like, that they're just wasting a generational talent? Like, they're they're just playing them out of town. See, and, and that's where I, I struggle with some of these GMs. I'm like, I, I get the business side of it, but after time goes on, you have to understand what a winning roster looks like and what a – team that is semi-competitive looks like you have I could to do know. better than half these bums yeah so it's not like i could come up with the ideas all day con and i think yeah, yeah right you know it's they got people doing the financials for them very true very true all right well, like, do these guys even watch that league actually I, see, that's that's a great question. I mean, like, how much basketball do GMs really watch? I hope it's a lot. I I assume it's a lot because it's their job. But, yeah, I am sure there are guys out there that leave the scouting to everybody else and are purely businessmen. They just read the fantasy basketball subreddit to see who's hot. They're just listening to us right now, right? Think Alec? <laughs> Like, you think maybe like, they... can you guys get to the potential trade scenarios? Yeah, like? I know. But well, we gotta throw it. Like, do you think like after they listen to us, like 
the Blazers called up the Knicks and were like, all right, 20 million bucks, Alec Burks. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think the Knicks would be like mm, 15 million and Alec Burks. 15 million and you have to take Kemba too. <laughs> maybe, maybe. We can we we'll we'll talk about Kemba later in a different episode. All right, so potential trade talks. The Blazers individually, akin to the Pacers, have some very attractive pieces. Obviously, they're not working together right now on a level that's uh, going to go anywhere. But there are teams out there that want a piece of what the Blazers have to offer. And so the question we have to answer is, what do the Blazers want to do? Is it a full rebuild? Mm-hmm. Is it another partial rebuild? Is it a retool? Or is it truly just blowing the whole thing up? It's uh, it's it's a retool around Dame. It's that simple, Colin. And I'll let you know, Colin. I have the trade machine up, so I'm live, ready to ready to make some deals right now. And I think the first deal that we have to look at is very obvious, Colin. It's working yeah. out a deal for Ben Simmons, right? Right. No, absolutely. I mean, that's that's why we're here. <laughs> that's why we're here. So CJ. CJ making $30 million, Colin, for three years. That does scale a bit, so he'll be making 34 in the last year. Ben Simmons on a $33 million upscaling contract for the next four years, Colin. Um, what else What else is needing to be done to get this deal done, Colin? If I'm the 76ers, they've shown aptitude to want to hold out for something bigger and better. Yes. I don't know if their philosophy is like somebody's going to crack, but in terms of what the 76ers need, C.J. McCollum is not a bad option at all. So, personally, if I was the 76ers, I wouldn't be asking for too much more, but we know that they are asking for a bit more. The Blazers traded away their first-round pick. I don't think that's what the 76ers want either. Is Ben Simmons worth a guy like Anthony Simons? Uh, so when you're looking at the Blazers' young prospects, Colin, you're looking at Anthony Simons and Nazir Little. Mm-hmm. And I think going long-term, I'd rather have Nazir Little than Anthony Simons. So I would be willing to deal with Simons, who's making $3 million more for one year, Colin, so they do have the ability to re-sign him after this year. All right. So give me what, what does the trade machine say? Because I think from both sides, there are a lot of added benefits to that trade. What is what is trade machine say? So the money, the money works out, Colin. Um, okay. In this hypothetical deal, I do think the Blazers are spending a first on minimum first. But there is another potential deal deal here, Colin, where the Blazers would potentially want Robert Covington, who's on an expiring contract, Colin, just for that wing depth this year. So mm-hmm. we could look at something like C.J. McCollum, Robert Covington. You get to keep Anthony Simons, and you get a Ben Mendes, you know, a Paul Reed or an Isaiah Joe. Yeah. I like that. And, and I potentially think have to give up less draft would, capital. Yeah, I think the 76ers would probably rather have Rocco, too. They have a decent amount of young yeah. talent. Rocco comes in. He's a defensive stopper. He can kind of do everything. He's of all trades when it comes to the NBA and there's not really a winning team that could do without him in my mind yeah alright well the, all right. metal it so, up baby CJ for Ben Simmons Colin. what does the trade machine say it works money works out let's go <laughs> before I... so with the trade machine it's it just like it it just matches the money, right? If the money works out, they make the trade happen, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> just had to make sure. <laughs> so, Colin, that's that's a potential CJ. Um, on the fly, Colin, do you think you could come up with any for use of Nurkic, potentially get the, you know, the Blazers a more athletic center or rim runner to pair with Dame and Ben Simmons? Uh, Nurkic is on a 12-mil contract, Colin, expiring, so he's a free agent this season. Mm-hmm. 
Rim runner, NBA center, off a team that's looking to trade. Um, hold on, I, well, I have to I have to look this guy up, but I know of a team down California that is not in a particularly great uh, position right now. Just fired a head coach, and they've got a young, talented center that I'm a pretty big fan of. And I I just I don't know if. If the rim runner is how I would describe him, um, but I, I like Rashawn Holmes. He just signed a five-year, three-year, uh, what is this? Three-year, thirty-six million dollar deal with an option for a fourth year. Rashawn Holmes provides a lot of what Nurkic mm-hmm. does to me in a bit more of an efficient way. Um, but I, I don't know if it's enough of a change-up. That's where my mind goes. What do you think about Rashawn Holmes on the Blazers? Um, I think the Kings say no unless you're throwing in Nazir Little. Like, There's in... no benefit for the Kings there getting Nurkic. Right. That's like a downgrade. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm gonna back off this one. I just I like Rashawn Holmes, and I know that the Kings aren't doing much, but they did. They just signed him to that contract, right? I don't think that they go for it. All right, Colin. Here's one for you. All right. A potential Dame trade. If the Blazers really want to blow this thing to the sky, Colin. The Blazers will be receiving at the forefront of this trade, Colin. Brandon Ingram. We're sending wow. Dame to New Orleans to pair him with Zion. In return, we're also sending Jonas Valanciunas to the Blazers. That's the price of getting Dame Lillard, Colin. I'm sorry. Yeah. Nurkic will be going to the Pelicans. <laughs> Robert Covington will also be going to the Pelicans. And then, on the back end, Thomas Sadaransky is getting dealt along with the Pelicans' first-round pick this year, Trey Murphy, and a couple more picks, Colin. And the trade works out. <laughs> oh, ah, for Dame? Mm, I don't know about that. Brandon that's Ingram a full is, blow it up. That's you got Brandon Ingram for four more years. You can trade him. You could trade Jonas. Right, but... I mean, the Pelicans picked this year, if, if they were really going to bet, it would be... Some pretty nice capital... Yeah, I mean, I could see it. Brandon Ingram's 24 years old right now. I mean, obviously, he was an all-star two years ago in his first season on the Pelicans, uh, San Zion. He put up almost the same numbers last year. The rebounds were down a little bit, but he went up on the assists. Scoring stayed the exact same. Efficiency metrics were literally the exact same. He shot 53.1 effective both seasons. He's a piece to build around. I, I don't I don't hate it. I mean that pick, that first round pick is is the diamond in that trade, right? Yes. Mm, yeah. The, the more I, I process it, the less I hate it. I feel like they could get something better for Dame though. Because to me Damian Lillard is a guy that puts a Tending team over the edge. I just I don't know where that is right now. It's the issue. Zion and Dame. Zion and Dame is not bad. Now here's a situation for you, Noah. The Minnesota Timberwolves have some some young talent. Are you willing to ship that out for Damian Lillard? Pair Damian Cat. <laughs> I think they have a less. I mean, you're getting a worse player than Ingram. You're saying Cat? No, no, no. I'm saying Ant. Oh, Anthony Edwards. Wow. Wow. 
<laughs> right? That is that is uh, quite enticing. I, I'm trying to wrap my head around if the Timberwolves would do that. Your kind of like gut reaction is like, man, like no, Anthony Edwards, like rookie of the year, like look at what he could be. If he could be Damian Lillard, that's a massive success. If I'm the Trailblazer, I'm like, I can wow. burn on Anthony Edwards. Oh, that's <sighs> the easiest deal for the Trailblazers ever. Right? It's more on if the um, Timberwolves would do it. And then it would be weird because you have D'Lo, but I truly think D'Lo works better in a shooting guard role than he does a point guard role. It's weird because when I picture the Timberwolves holding that championship trophy con, I picture Anthony Edwards holding it. Yeah, and do, do you picture the, uh, the Timberwolves winning a lot of uh, NBA championships? <laughs> hey, you know, Dame's uh, in the nursing home by the time this vision's coming to fruition. <laughs> <laughs> we might be in the nursing home by the time that vision's uh, realized. Yeah, I mean, so Dame's 31 right now. I think that we've seen guys be productive well in their 35th season. He's on a... on this deal through 2024-2025. You have him for a while. You got to pay him a buttload. His last year he's making $49 million. But... Oh my fucking God. Damian Lillard, Cat, D'Lo. It doesn't really solve the defense thing, but you have Cat instead of Nurk. Pat Bev. Pat, you have Pat Bev. I apologize. Yeah, I meant... I meant Pepev, not Cat. Oh my! I think though. Oh. I I I don't know what the Timberwolves say, Con. And you'd have to make the money match somehow. So I think that's where this really gets complicated when you're talking about a guy making forty million a year. But I, I've thought about this one. And I, I think it is the most beneficial trade for both sides. Obviously, the Trailblazers, I, I think they say yes to this. How I many think first they have Minnesota got to give up? Do you, do you think they have to give up more than one? I, I, I don't even... I don't. I almost I don't want to on the Timberwolves. <laughs> Like you as think the Trailblazers should give up a pick for? No. Yeah, no. The trail. If you're going to rebuild, you're not trading picks to do it. That's dumb. <laughs> give me, give me the 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 trade analyzer, the the trade machine. Like, who would you have to trade oh, from mama. the Timberwolves to make the money work? All right. So Dame Lillard making forty mil, like you said, forty nine in the last year. The Minnesota yeah. Timber Pups. Um, we would have to be sending. We're sending Ant Edwards, who's making 10 mil for the next three years, Colin. We uh-huh. still got to make up 29 mil here. We're sending Monique Beasley, 14 mil over the next two years. We're at 24 mil here. Still have to make up about 15. After that, we're sending Torian Prince on a one-year deal, Colin. Mm-hmm. And the Minnesota Timberwolves are receiving. And, and that's about it. And that's leaving the Timberwolves thin. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Maybe we'll, the, the Blazers can have Nazir Little. And we'll try this. And the trade works. The money works out. I mean... Right? Because oh, if you're the Trailblazers, you're like, I have, I have this... The supreme athlete, phenomenal scorer. I'm taking a gamble on him before I'm taking a gamble on Brandon Ingram in my mind. Okay. I, I respect that. Um, we should probably move on to the next yeah. team. Calling the, they got a lot more trade potential, but um, Blazers kind of fucked. Trade for Ben Simmons. It's probably that easy. Yeah. No, I think, to wrap it up, I mean, Ben Simmons is the clear outlet 
for the Trailblazers. I think that if if they're really going to do anything, that is the best thing they can do. I'm just saying this Anthony Edwards thing. It uh, I I look into it. Look into it. You know, if if you're new GM, if you're listening, think about it. Think about what you could be thinking about when you're not thinking about trading for Ben Simmons. Just think saying. about it. Alrighty, you know what? You know what? For for this for this part, I'm gonna talk a little. This is your floor. This is your podcast. Uh, this is your space. This is your comfort zone to vent, talk. Tell us about the Pacers. So, Colin, um, I think it came out officially the other day. I think Bob Kravitz broke it that the Pacers are willing to look into a rebuild here, um, willing to deal Karis LeVert, Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis. And this is really interesting here, Colin. The Pacers are coming off a disappointing year, but in every sense of the moves that they made in the preseason, we thought we were going to be a team who was looking to win this year. But, and we have, with the hiring of Rick Carlisle in the offseason and the extending of Malcolm Brogdon, mm-hmm. making him um, untrade eligible for the rest of the year, we thought we were going to be a better team than we were, Colin, but we're not. Um, I think we're 11 and 17. No, we're 12 and 17 after our win against the Knicks tonight. Uh, five games under 500. The funny thing here is, Colin, that we're actually on the year we have a plus 1.6 uh, net rating. Not something really? you would expect expect for a team that that's bad. Um, but we are three and 12, Colin, in games that have been within five points in the final five minutes. Uh, we just don't have that guy in the last five minutes of the game that can make a play for us. And this has led us to the point, Colin. And you look at the construction of this team, Colin, and you can you can see why the team is very average. Because Saponis, Brogdon, Levert, and Turner, Colin, all make somewhere between 17.7 and 22.6 million. Um, the key to having a good team, Colin, is not to have more players making more than the mid-level exception without any max guys. Um, you look at the Lakers. They have one guy, but well, they have one salary con between five million and the max level. That's THT. Milwaukee has one guy between five million and the max level. That's Bobby P. Um, the Heat have one guy and a salary between seven mil and twenty-six mil. Duncan Robinson. Uh, the Warriors have one guy. The Nets have one guy. It just goes on, con. The best teams are either they're min-maxing their roster. Um, he's still on his rookie contract. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so sense. yeah, he'll get he'll begin eventually. Um, but yeah, you see this con. The best teams have their money spent right um, on the max players, and then on fringe players, your bench guys. You fill it out with minimal money as possible, mm-hmm. and this isn't going to work for the Pacers, con. Um, we have the longest tenured owner in the league, con, and Herb Simon. He's a pretty old man, and he's kind of got that. <sighs> boomer mindset condo where he's like you know tanking that's not what we do here in indiana baby uh you know we make the playoffs we get slapped in the first round that's what happens like why would any that's perfect and i think curb has finally realized that you know we have tenants in the league and we have like we have players that i would personally want to watch con so it's like if this isn't working we can tank because look, it's not like how many less people can really come to these games. And we've never fully rebuilt as a franchise con. We've always hit these rebuilds on the run, you know, yeah. um, for this example of that was trading Paul George for all the deep on bonus. You know, we did get worse, but we got two guys who are pretty promising and we haven't drafted in the top 10 since 1989, Colin. Yeah. I've seen that stat. It's absurd. And, and I'm, I, I'm, like I, like we said, I want to win a championship. If you aren't actively building towards winning a championship, what are you doing? So I, I'm down for a full rebuild here, Colin. Um, it has to happen if you eventually want to become an NBA championship. But the key point here, Colin, is we have an asset-filled team, but we should be in no rush to trade these assets. We should listen to offers from everyone. But patience is going to be key here because, you know, we're in no rush to blow this thing up immediately. We're going to have everyone offering everything in the room. Situations change week by week, Colin, and, 
you know, if we're patient, we also could just get a lot better. We could just start playing yeah. better too. <laughs> but I mean, even if you start playing better, do you think it's going anywhere? No. <clears throat> and I don't think we're going to start playing better because um, we're kind of boring to watch con. I'm going to be honest. And I, I just want to be a fun team. I want to win the championship. And that involves, there's three ways you get better in the NBA con, the draft trades and free agency and free agencies out the window, like a, in a market like Indianapolis. So yeah. you're looking at trades or draft. And the only way you can draft when you're a, when your team is not terrible is through trades. So I only see one viable route here, Colin. Yeah. Yeah. And so no Before we really dive into it, I wanna ask you something because it's an interesting proposition. Waiting till the middle of the season to make these trades versus doing it in the off season. There's there's pros and cons, obviously. Um, I think truly the middle of the season is the best time to maybe extort other teams that are yes. trying to win now. I but I think that thing. to your point, it can also be the worst time because if you're just trying to trade for the sake of making a trade and there's no real competition over it, you're going to end up with dirt instead of anything of value in response. So the Pacers, I mean, they've got four guys. All of those names that you just named, Noah, Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, Miles Turner, are to me guys that can help a win-now team. Would you want to trade Duarte? Um... Well, let's look at the raw reality of it. Connie's already 24, and this yeah. is probably like max value of Duarte right now because a playoff team would want him. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, you have these guys who are valuable. Which one uh, do you want to start with? In discussing these trades, because <clears throat> um, I think before we get sorry, yeah. before we get into that, I, no, I, I have one more thing, Colin. Just talking about the tank, and you know, the worst tank that we've seen through our history, Colin, is the Sixers. Theirs was the longest, and it probably was the most <laughs> grueling because the league literally had to remove their GM. But we've seen plenty of modern tanks that have already worked out, Colin. Um, the first second. You look at the Hawks. They drafted John Collins, drafted Trey Young, drafted Reddish, drafted Twitter, drafted DeAndre Hunter, and they signed their center in Concapella. That that it works, Con. And even when you yeah. look at teams like, even when you team look at teams like the Pistons or the Magic, Con, they have guys to be excited for. To you know, like mm-hmm. Kate Cunningham, even though the Pistons are terrible, is still a like beacon of hope that one day the Pistons hopefully build a team around this guy and they win a championship. Yeah, just like and I, then, I'm, I'm down, baby. I'm so down. And then the I'll get my point. Pacers tickets for even cheaper. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. <laughs> and then the counterpoint to those teams is, I think we saw something really interesting with the Nets in the last five-ish years. Obviously, mm-hmm. I mean they were prolifically fucked by the Celtics in that Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce trade. Basically, traded away three, four years of draft capital for two superstars who were well past their prime. I mean, like, well past their prime. But what they did in response was fantastic. After they get out of that rut of, you know, they had, like, the two seasons where they were semi-competitive, and then they were just awful. They built up this team. They had promising talent. They they made a couple trades, and then they slowly traded away all of that promising talent for some NBA superstardom. Obviously, mm-hmm. Brooklyn is a free agency destination. <laughs> people would like to go there, which is a, a bit different than I think how people view Indianapolis. But the principles I think there, an, though. Right, but I, I think it's an important structure in that you don't necessarily have to draft the superstar if you can mm-hmm. draft the capital to trade for the superstar. Yep. Yep. And um, one more example of the modern tank con. Look at the goddamn sun. Drafted three of their five starters in the NBA Finals last year. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
That is fantastic. Truly is. It works. I'm down. I'm here for it, Con. Embrace the tank, because as a team who just uh, came out of a five-year tank, it is brutal, Noah. Uh, it, <clears throat> it sucks. Feels good when you're good, though. Yeah, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. Actually, you know what? I'll say it sure does right now, because I spent yeah. all week looking at power rankings, and everybody had the Bulls top five, and I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Ooh. Let's ride, baby. Colin, I... Um, I... Me and my friend Zach did make an agreement that if the Pacers enter the full tank, I am allowed a temporary fanship. Of course. And I've picked the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm on the Mobley train. I thought you were going to say the Bulls. I was uh, going to be pretty excited, but... Uh, Hell no. Nah. I'm fun vacationing in Cleveland. Joe told me. <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, they kind of smacked the Bulls around tonight, but uh, we were due for one. We were due for one. Mobley's so good, dude. Mobley's <laughs> so good. He's so good. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Pacers. So let's break it down player by player, and you tell me kind of what you perceive their value to be, some trades you like, and then maybe I'll offer my perspective from a bit more neutral uh, NBA fandom, if that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's start off with, I, I think, probably the um, most boring of these players in, in Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert is a guy who has been incredibly effective when he's been playing. Obviously, he sat out a good amount of time last year. Um, he's a guy who's been in the league for five years now, so I, I think it's fair. He's averaged 20 points per game in his career at one point. He's averaging about 15 right now, three boards, three assists. What would you like to do with Karis LeVert? He's kind of mid, uh, if I'm being completely honest. Sorry, Karis, if you're listening. Um, I, I, I think Karis is a starter in the right situation. Why would you ever be building your team around Karis? I, 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 it doesn't really make sense to do that. Um, I think he does have some spots where you can fit Colin. He's a terrible three-point shooter. He's shooting 26% from three on the year, Colin. And... <clears throat> Most likely, I see Karis being dealt in a package with one of the bigs, Colin, but I do think a team, you know, like the Mavs come to mind, but I don't think they'd want him because his three-point shooting is too bad, Colin. Um, I think Detroit could use Karis. I think a potential Cleveland deal with Sexton is there for Karis if they want that kind of uh, punch. Uh, I think a Utah deal could be there. I, I don't mind the idea, Colin, of him on the Grizzlies. Coming off the bench. Tyus Jones has played well there so far, especially in Jaw's absence. But <clears throat> I agree that he's definitely the more consistent scoring presence. That's interesting. I think his best role is six man. I, I think it is. I think it's just being a six-man punch off a bench. I think that's how you get the best out of Karis. I think so, too. And how much of his trade value is diminished by the fact that outside of his sophomore season, he's never played more than 60 games? Uh, very much. I am I'm very down to move off Karis, Colin. And I'll segue this. Karis is the most boring, Colin. Like, his list yeah. of teams where you're just trading Karis is, like, not that big. But apparently... Against a bonus con, so here's here's the deal con. If the Pacers, as a front office, come to the D, the realization that they don't want a full rebuild, they want to hit a retool and see how it goes. Um, I want to keep Miles over Sabonis. Um, there is some personal bias there. Miles is probably my second favorite Pacer ever there con, but I do think that Miles is just. I think there's more promise there, and that's saying a lot because Sabonis is an all-star, but I think Sabonis is a potential better trade piece with Karis, too. Um, so I'd want to see a retool around Miles. And 
Let me throw this trade at you, Colin. This All is right. in the situation where we're doing a retool, not a rebuild. Okay. DeMontis Sabonis and Karis LeVert to the Raptors for Pascal Siakam and Delano Banton. And probably a first to the Pacers. Um... I don't like it for the Raptors. Really? I love it for the Raptors. Karis? So then your starting lineup for the Raptors is now Karis at the point, or do you retain... No, no, no. Fred, it's probably Fred. It's probably Fred, Gary, OG, Scotty, DeMontis with Karis off the bench. Do you need the first round pick? I think uh, yeah, so. I think so. We're giving cares over yeah. Delano Banton. Um, I... The thing here is, Colin, is that the Raptors are a team who is they're above average in guys who can generate their own buckets, but they're actually not a great assist team. So I think Sabonis could provide just the right amount of like easy buckets that that team would need to win more games. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. No, I, I the more I think about it, I why and and this is if you're doing a retool, do you like Pascal Siakam? Like where's your projection on him that you're willing to retool around him? See, I I I don't like I don't love it because he is making 33 mil for three more years, Colin. In the ideal situation, we somehow get Brandon Ingram, but I don't think Brandon Ingram's available for that kind of trade. So we are going with a little bit of a downgrade in Siakam, but, um, you know, I think Siakam's ceiling is somewhat close to Sabonis's. Um, Siakam, a couple years ago, I would say, was playing yeah. better than Sabonis, but Sabonis has been playing better as of late. And I think that a team around Siakam could just have that, like, slightly higher ceiling than he based around some bonus just because the position he plays and the way he scores. I hear you. I hear you. I, I, I think I like that the more that I thought it. It's solid. It's solid. I don't think it's ideal if I'm the Pacers. No, but because I don't we don't want to fucking retool. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Then give me – all right, let's go here first. Let's. I, I know we can we can run over time on this one because this one's very near and dear to your heart. Let's move to Brogdon. Brogdon's a very interesting one. I remember when the Pacers first acquired Brogdon, he was coming off of an almost 50-40-90 season. The Bucks were fantastic, and I was like, what are the Bucks doing? Because they needed Drew Holiday to win that championship. I don't know if they win that championship with Malcolm Brogdon. But Malcolm Brogdon is incredibly efficient, and that's got to be valuable to someone. Who do you think it's mm-hmm. valuable <clears throat> to, and what do you want for him? Um, any team would want Malcolm Brogdon, Colin. Let's just make that clear. Like what he does on the court, like mm-hmm. there's not many negatives to Malcolm Brogdon. Um, if we're open to trading Brogdon, which we can't until after. Of season con, I, I think there's a real Ben Simmons package there with Brogdon, Karras, and a bunch of firsts and TJ Warren. Um, I do think that's available on the table because I think the Sixers would be actively looking for a player like Malcolm Brogdon. Um, outside of that, con, I I don't really know because he is making a decent amount of money. He's making 24 after this extension. Um, I would assume that he would want some somewhere. He would go to a team that is looking to win now. Um, you know, potentially maybe the Wizards, something like that. I, I can't think of a really good place right now. Do you have any off the top of your mind? No, the 76ers make a whole ton of sense to me. Um, truly, a team without a point guard right now is the New York Knicks. Like, dude, the Mavs would love Malcolm Brogdon. Yes. The Mavs would make a lot of sense. I don't know what you get from the Mavs that makes this 
work in your favor, though. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> that's not to say yeah. that the Knicks have a ton to give give away, but I, I think there's more on that roster, and I'd much rather have a New York Knicks future first round pick than Dallas Mavericks first round pick. Yeah, I'll tell you that. We right would now. we would want Emmanuel quickly in any trade though, Con, and I don't know if they'd be willing to deal him. Malcolm Brogdon solves pretty much all of the issues in the backcourt that the Knicks are having right now. Yes. Yes. So I, I like it. I like it on the Knicks. I just I think the Knicks make more sense. Obviously, the 76ers with Ben Simmons are kind of the the diamond. And you tried to trade for him over the summer. I mean, it's not like Pacers management hasn't tried this and thought it through. It just doesn't quite work. So I like that. All right. The last I know it, I think is, and this isn't even a hot take. This is the most likely guy to be traded this this season in the middle of the season. It's Miles Turner because what he provides, any win now team absolutely needs. It's defense, it's the blocks, and he can stretch the floor. Yeah, I. I... The funny thing is here is, Colin, is as we saw Miles Turner in this trade news is how much every team values him. Um, every team sees Miles Turner as a pretty valuable asset right now. All 29 other teams would try to trade for Miles Turner if they could. And I think what they're underestimating is what this guy means to the Pacers, Con. Like, what he means to us is two times what any other team values him at. And that's funny because he's pretty valuable to these other teams, Con. They want him. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I'm not thinking we're giving up on Miles very easily because we can get the um, Con, if I'm a Charlotte Hornets fan or the GM, I'm calling the Pacers to see how we get a deal done right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about the worst because defensive as, team in the league. Because as we know, Colin, yeah, they're terrible on defense, Colin, and Turner actually is, like, he as we, you know, he gets the blocks, Colin, but as I've said, he's not the greatest um, rim protector, not in terms of, like, the stats. I actually saw a funny stat, Colin, comparing both Turner and Brooke Lopez, and Brooke Lopez is a lot better at rebounding. Brook Lopez had the third highest defensive rebounding impact stat last season, um, and that's really where Miles is separated because, you know, when he runs into the Embiid's, he kind of gets bullied. But as we've seen, this Hornets offense is lethal, Con. I think some of the rebounding can be picked up by LaMelo Ball and Miles um, Bridges, who are both above-average defenders, or rebounders for their position, sorry. And if Miles can just do what he's doing right now, the Hornets are a dangerous, dangerous team. There would be multiple sequences of game con where Miles spike blocks someone, LaMelo catches it, throws it to Miles Bridges for a windmill dunk. That'd be fun to watch. That would be a lot of fun to I watch. Would, I would love to see Miles turn on the Hornets, Colin. It would be a wet dream because the Hornets would want Turner over Sabonis because Miles Turner is very simple, Con. He's a rim protector, he's a pick and popper, and he rebounds. Uh, Sabonis, you kind of have to... The Hornets don't have time to set Sabonis in their offense, you know what I mean? No. No, they're too fast-paced. Yeah, so if I'm the Hornets, I'm doing whatever it takes to get Miles gone. But I think really the only great package they could put together would be like P.J. Washington, James Booknight in a first, and the Hornets' first isn't that great because they're looking projecting to be a playoff team. Um, the one team I'm really looking here, Colin, for Miles Turner, which would signify full-on rebuild, would be two Golden State, Colin, for James Wiseman and Moses Moody or Jonathan Kuminga. And Warriors fans are stupid, Colin. They think they can get Miles Turner from us just for James Wiseman. That's not fucking no happening way. any day of the no, week. No way. They sleeping, baby. I'm sleep. 
I'm sleep on TwitterCon because Warriors fans think they can get us for just James Wiseman. Um, they must not realize we stay up for the West Coast games. You know me. Uh, yeah, so we actually watch basketball, man. <clears throat> if the Pacers traded to Golden State for James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, and a first, that I'd be I'd be happy with that con because it would signify a full tank. But the important question here is. Do the Warriors even feel the pressure to go out and do this right now, Colin? It's always a good time to get better. You have That's what I'm saying. Miles, James Miles would... Oh my god, Miles on that team would be so good. This is the highest James Wiseman stock is going to be, right? I mean, yes. as the years Once go on... Once we see him, if he comes out and plays, Colin, and doesn't look good, they're fucked. It's over. No, it's over. You can't. Yes. yes. You can't trade him. And right now, if you're telling me you can get uh, the NBA's leader in blocks over the last three seasons to come help that team out, he's not. He's not doing anything detrimental to your team. He's he's having his best three point shooting season ever. He's shooting thirty nine and a half percent from three on four and a half attempts a game. I mean, Would I rather have Kavon Looney or Myers Turner? I don't. I don't know, dude. I can't decide. I don't know. I'm part of the Trailblazers general management, so I can't answer that question. <laughs> we got Larry Nance. Ugh. All right. So Noah, you're blowing it up, right? What is I the absolute so. blow up trade in your mind that is the perfect way to do it? What is the return? Who is it with? What are you looking to do to to start this rebuild off with an absolute bang? If I'm being ideal here, Colin, I want. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's that's a hard decision here, Colin. I I talked about this with my friend Zach. If the Thunder just offered us five first round picks for our starting right now, Colin, and they said you guys have to pick them out of this hat. And then we'll also give you two pick swaps that you also pick out of this hat. Because we don't even remember who all picks we got. We just keep them in this hat. You guys draw five out of there. You can have them. We get Sabonis and Turner. I'd say yes in a heartbeat. Do the Thunder (laughs) feel the need to do that? No, because they want these picks. They want to make them. But Sabonis and Turner on the Thunder, that'd be a pretty fun team to watch, Colin, with Giddy and SGA. Yeah. Well, and our, our boy John Getty. Josh and uh, Getty. maybe they're like, oh yeah, you guys can just have this Lou Dort too. We got plenty of clones of him. <laughs> we we got Lou Dort's out the ass, baby. <laughs> then you see like four Lou Dort's walk by, all moving like a bunch of chairs. <laughs> I like it. All right, riddle me this. Uh, I want Miles Turner's on the Bulls. Uh, I'd love it. What would you need from the Bulls to make that happen? Could it even happen? I mean, you're you're going to offer us Kobe White. We're going to say no. We're, and then I don't even – I'm sorry, Colin. I was playing out this exact situation earlier while I was driving, and I don't want Pat Will. So I'm sorry. Wow. I, there's no deal to be done there. Well, that was Yeah, that was kind of it, wasn't it? I don't want bum-ass Kobe anymore. Sorry. No. Man, I was kind of high on Kobe too, but – yeah, we'll see. He's he's gonna have to develop in house. That's that's pretty much it. Ugh. All right. I mean, it, this is a long episode, but there's a lot to talk about, and obviously the Pacers stuff hits home to you. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the Pacers, about the rebuild, potential rebuild, retool, before we let the fans go? I I I don't have any more on the Pacers, Con. I I hope we blow it up. Let's just let's just blow it up, guys. Let's Chet Holmgren bucket. Like I don't care anymore. I just want to see a team that can I can at least be excited for. I want a I want to draft a Trey Young. I want to draft a Giannis. Like I just want a player like that. And the only way that happens for a team like Indiana is to hit him in the draft, baby. And before we go, Colin, I just wanted to say something that the mainstream media might not tell you. But we are entering mid-season rust here, Colin, and it's hitting Let's right go. now. 
He's reached at least 20 points in the last seven of the last eight games, Colin. The Lakers, sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. The Lakers have been playing pretty well as of late, Colin, since the November 21st incident in Detroit. The Lakers have the eighth best offensive rating in the league, Colin, at 112 points per 100 possessions. And the defensive rating is up to seventh at 108. Wow. Yeah, They're playing I mean... defense. The net the net rating's 4.8 here, Colin. They're playing better as of late. They're absolutely playing better. Yeah, I saw some fans after mid-season the first Russ. half. And, mid-season uh, Russ. I saw the first half after the uh, the Celtics went up at halftime. I think they weren't even up that much. No, they didn't even go up at halftime. Oh, my God, it was after the first quarter. Celtics fans were clowning Lakers fans. And, like, making fun of Westbrook, all that. And he came out and had a double-double with assists and had the most fantasy points on the team. I don't know if that directly means he was the most impactful player. But when you win by 15 and Russ is doing that and didn't take a single three, they look pretty good. That's all I got to say. Thank you guys for listening to another long episode of Bench Chatter. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Bench underscore Chatter, the Common Man's NBA podcast. And enjoy this outro music by Ample Tunes. See you guys. See